Hello, you wonderful people. I hope you've been enjoying the episodes that I've put together for Women's History Month. After today's episode, I have a couple more very interesting and significant women to whom I'm looking forward to paying tribute. And today's singer, well, I'm just thrilled to pieces to present her to you. Oh, I should also mention I didn't have any new Patreon supporters this week again. I will do my usual spiel, however, that if you want to support the podcast, please go to patreon.com slash countermelody and you can make your pledge of support, either monthly or yearly. I've got to figure out a way to make this more compelling so that you recognize that I desperately need your help. I do. But doing this podcast is something that brings me such immense joy and allows me to share with you the singers that are most important to me. Those you've heard of and those like today's singer whom you may not have heard of yet. But if you like great singing, you know you've come to the right place. Welcome to Counter Melody, the podcast on great singers and great singing. Each week, you will encounter me, Daniel Gundlach, as your host, guiding you along a magical route that will bring us closer to the voices of those singers that most enchant and transform us, no matter what else is going on in the world. Thank you for joining me on that path. This week's episode. Good day, my beloved listeners. I have a special episode for you today featuring a singer who possesses not only one of the most beautiful voices that I've ever heard, but who also bowls me over with her humanity and dedication, not to mention her standing as what I can only describe as a civil rights icon. Not only that, but I consider her a personal friend and therefore it's a particular privilege and honor for me to present to all of you today, soprano Sarah Reese.
That was Sarah Rees with Andrew Schenk conducting the Chicago Symphony Orchestra and Chorus in her only commercially released recording of Samuel Barber's Prayers of Kierkegaard, which was recorded in concert in 1991. It went on to win a 1993 Grammy, so for a batting average, that's pretty darn good, wouldn't you say? But what's special about Sarah Reese goes beyond this extraordinary voice. Sarah was at the forefront in some very important ways of the civil rights movement in the 60s and has gone on to prove herself a community leader, a dedicated teacher, and a humanitarian of the highest order. And it just so happens that she celebrated a landmark birthday two days ago. So this just couldn't come at a better time. It's indisputable that this voice is a glorious one, and it was recognized as such during the active years of her career. She was born in Cleveland, Ohio, but her grandparents lived in South Carolina, and that's where Sarah grew up, in the town of Pelzer. When she was just a little child, she made her first acquaintance with opera. She tells the story herself in the most inimitable fashion. This was part of a profile of the singer produced last year by the city of Greenville, South Carolina. There was a show called the Ted Mack Amateur Hour, and I heard someone singing something that I had never experienced before because I was always in church and we were just rocking at a popping, you know? And this sound, this foreign thing gave me chills. And my grandmother said, Sarah, I believe you got a voice, child. And I'm like, mm-hmm, I don't know what that is, but the singing thing has me, has my heart, my soul already. I was five or six years old. And she was singing in Italian. Now tell me what a black person from South Carolina, five years old, in the 1950s knows about Italian, zero. It touched me. It was indescribable. I was in ecstasy. According to Sarah herself, after this initial exposure, she would go out into the woods and sing at the top of her lungs trying to imitate the opera singer that she had heard on Ted Mack. And her grandmother was right. She did have a voice. And when it came time to attend college, she auditioned for the music department at Furman University. She herself tells the story of what happened. They took me to Furman to audition, but Furman didn't know I was black. Guess who's coming to dinner? Guess who's coming to audition? So they called security when we arrived, but they allowed me the opportunity to sing. And Lauren, it must have been good, but they told me that the chance that I would attend Furman was zero. There were no black people there in the music department, and they had one young man by the name of Joseph Vaughn who was there, but no other blacks. About two or three days later, I get a call saying, we're gonna give you a scholarship, you're coming to Furman, you're enrolling in the music department. It will be difficult. You will not be loved. You are alone. You will be alone. You will feel very lonely. It was true. During her time there, Sarah was one of just three black students, and she was subjected to not just being ignored or isolated, but active hostility and sometimes even attacks. 
She has stated that it was not uncommon for people to throw bricks at her and her fellow black students. While she was at Furman, she also auditioned for Ted Mack's Amateur Hour. And what do you know? She won. Sparkling array of talented contestants with Ted Mack and the original Amateur Hour. Following her graduation from Furman, she moved to New York to further her education and to get the experience that is so crucial to build a career in opera. I mentioned that the recording of the Prayers of Kierkegaard is the only commercial recording that Sarah Reese made, but we are so lucky because there are three different very important documents that demonstrate the enormity of her talent, and we'll be hearing all three of those today. First off is a live recording of the U.S. premiere of Verdi's opera Il Corsaro, which is based on Lord Byron's epic poem The Corsair. It was premiered in Trieste in the year 1848. It is definitely not one of Verdi's enduring masterpieces. But that said, there are some extraordinary isolated moments. The setting is the early 1800s on a Greek island in the Aegean, as well as the Turkish city of Corona. At the beginning, we encounter Corrado, the corsair, or let's just call him a pirate, shall we, who is in exile on that Greek island but he receives information about the Turkish Pasha, Said, which gives him the courage to rally his fellow pirates and to go strike a blow to Said on his home turf. He leaves behind a beautiful but rather morose girlfriend named Medora, the first scene of Act Two is set in Said's harem, where we meet, among the other slave girls, Gulnara, who is the Pasha's favorite. She is not terribly happy about this, however, and longs to fly free of her enslavement and to experience not only freedom, but love. It is Sarah Reese who sang the role of Gulnara in the U.S. premiere of Corsaro, which took place in December 1981, and from which this recording stems. So we're going to hear her opening aria, Vola Talor del Carcere, the Cavatina, followed by the Cabaletta, A Conforto e Sol la Speme. David Lawton conducts the orchestra.
the second scene of Act Two, Said is holding a banquet celebrating his victory over the Corsairs. And a dervish enters in disguise and declares himself an escapee from the Corsairs. Suddenly, the Pasha's fleet is seen in the distance in flames, and the dervish whips off his disguise and reveals himself as none other than Corrado, whose men enter and attack the banqueters. Victory for the Corsairs seems imminent, but then Corrado sees that the harem has burst into flames as well and makes the snap decision to rescue the enslaved women. At this, the Pasha and his men have a chance to regain the advantage, and they take Corrado prisoner, and Said promises him a monstrous death. In Act 3, there is an encounter between Said and Gulnara, in which Said confronts Gulnara, suspecting her of being in love with her would-be savior. And when she defiantly states that this is indeed true, he threatens her, but she defies him, and he storms out of the room. I'm going to skip that duet because it's mostly the baritone, but we're going to listen to a big chunk of the following scene which takes place in the cell in which Corrado is being held prisoner. Gulnara has bribed a guard to gain admittance into his cell, and she hands him a knife to kill Said, which Corrado rejects, saying that he is a man of honor and will not attack his enemy with a concealed weapon. He senses that she is in love with him and tells her that he's got a girlfriend back home. And Gulnara leaves, stating that since he will not kill Said, she will. And there is a brief, stormy orchestral interlude, which I'm cutting out of this performance. But she returns and says that she has indeed killed Said and takes full responsibility for the murder. Now that Said is dead, she and Corrado flee to go back to the Greek island from which he came. The Corrado on this occasion was none other than the great Italian tenor Carlo Bergonzi, who was in the final years of an enormously successful and, dare I say, distinguished career. His top, by this time, was on the wane. But nevertheless, this is not a high-lying role, so he gives it his all, and the two of them make beautiful music together. Here are Sarah Reese and Carlo Bergonzi in the duet from Act 3, Scene 2 of Il Corsaro. Ha <laughs> ha! 
In the final scene of the opera, which takes place back on that Greek island, Medora, having received fake news that Corrado is dead, has taken poison and is slowly expiring. But lo and behold, a ship is seen on the horizon, and it is none other than Corrado's. And sure enough, Corrado arrives just in time to see Medora expire, at which he throws himself in despair off a nearby cliff, leaving Gulnara to emit a high D-flat as she falls in a faint. We're going to hear a brief moment from that final trio, in which Reese and Bergonzi are joined by another beautiful-voiced soprano, Carolyn Valschmidt as Medora. There's a very interesting musical figure in this scene, one that Verdi was to develop with even greater skill in both Traviata and Rigoletto. That's the figure of the displaced triplet. It's this da-da, 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 ba-da, which lends both propulsion and pathos to the musical line. It's not as effectively resolved here as it is in either the Rigoletto or the Traviata duets, but it's very interesting, nonetheless, to hear it being tried out, so to speak, by Verdi. And it is Gulnara, even though she's taken the back seat to Medora, who has that beautiful figure. And it's just something to listen for as we hear the finale of Corsaro.
Sarah Reese became a favorite soprano of Sarah Caldwell's. I spoke about Sarah Caldwell at length in my episode on bass baritone Donald Graham, where I spoke about, among other things, her chaotic and quixotic genius that she brought to the Opera Company of Boston, which she founded. Today's Sarah, Ms. Reese, was featured in a number of important roles with the company, including Mimi in Bohème, Liu in Turando, Michaela in Carmen, and Fevronia in Rimsky-Korsakov's Legend of the Invincible City of Kitesh, the last of which gives some idea of Sarah Caldwell's innovative and creative programming. Incidentally, the casting of a black soprano in that day as Mimi was enough of an innovation that it was noted in an article in the New York Times about the lowering of the color barrier in operatic casting. Sarah Reese went on to be awarded a five-year contract with the Metropolitan Opera, where she mostly covered roles and appeared in student performances, as well as singing the offstage role of the priestess in Aida. I remember hearing that on the radio and remarking on what a glorious voice that was. It's from around this time that we have the second very important live Sarah Reese document. That is a radio broadcast of a concert by the Detroit Symphony led by Isaiah Jackson in which she sang three different selections. I remember when I first found the somewhat truncated recording of this on YouTube that I nearly lost my mind when I heard her performance of the big aria from the final act of Trovatore, which I featured on one of my Black History Month episodes for 2022. Of course, I'm going to play that again for you, because why not? It's one of the glories of Sarah Reese's recorded legacy. But first, we're going to hear the two prior selections from that broadcast concert. The first is the beloved Knoxville Summer of 1915, set by Samuel Barber to a beautiful prose poem by James Agee, which I featured a number of times on this podcast. But again, I don't care because we've never heard Sarah Reese sing it, and I think she's one of the very finest exponents of this very, very specific work. It's really hard to find the right voice to do justice to this piece. Of course, Eleanor Stieber, for whom the work was written, is a near-ideal interpreter. The young Leontine Price was another one. Roberta Alexander, whom we heard just a couple weeks ago, has an exquisite recording of this. And there's one also by the British soprano Jill Gomez that is another one of my favorites. Too often, people think that because this is supposed to be the voice of a child, that it should be a lighter voice singing this. I couldn't disagree more on that. I think that you need someone with some heft in their sound who nevertheless can put themselves in that position 
of the narrator. It's very tricky because if this is the voice of a child, it's a very sophisticated child. It's a very perceptive child. Is it rather an adult re-entering that child's world and passing through that threshold to childhood where they once again become a child, but with an adult's perception? That's my take on what makes this piece so ineffably moving. And that's the very quality that Sarah Reese brings to her performance. I want you just to settle in and savor her gorgeous performance. By the way, the version on YouTube cut out the first few minutes of the piece for some reason, but I found a different version that has the complete opening, and so I bring you Knoxville, summer of 1915, with Sarah Reese and Isaiah Jackson leading the Detroit Symphony Orchestra. The performance took place, by the way, in 1984.
The next work that was offered on this program was the Countess's second aria from Mercia Figaro Dove Sono. And here, Sarah Rees displays her Mozartian credentials with both poise and passion. It's a memorable performance.
aria to which I referred earlier, D'Amor sull'Ali Rosé, from Il Trovatore. This is a notoriously difficult aria. One has to have the slancho to really crest over those phrases, but also of extreme importance is dynamic variety and flexibility, not to mention the ability to float an exquisite pianissimo. And Sarah Reese displays all of these qualities, plus that she sings a very special option where she has to graciously and elegantly pluck a high D-flat out of nowhere. It's just one of many exquisite moments in this performance, which also ends, thank goodness, on the high A-flat, which those of us who love Zinka Milanov, Leontine Price, and Montserrat Caballé have come to expect in this aria, and yet which these days one rarely hears.
listening, you guys. There's more that I want to tell you about Sarah Reese. Following a very successful career, she moved back to South Carolina, where she taught music at Pendleton High School and became the chair of the school's fine arts department. Her degree from Furman was in music education, and she has received so many honors and awards, as well as, even more significantly, the love and appreciation of those countless students whose lives she positively impacted when they passed into her studio, into her rehearsal space, into her sphere of influence. For so many, she has been that teacher who made the difference for them, who imparted that undying, unwavering love of music and singing that has been with her from her very earliest days. In recent years, she's received further recognition for her career as a music educator. For one, in the year 2013, she was named a Yale Distinguished Music Educator. Each year, they name 50 people who have shown particular dedication and expertise in that field. And in 2014, her alma mater, Furman, conferred upon her a Doctor of Humanities Award. Recently, Furman has taken real appreciable steps to addressing the concerns of their African-American students. As a symbol of that commitment, they've recently named a number of buildings after African-Americans who played a significant part in that school, including its first three black students. Last year, Furman University permanently renamed its Lyric Theater to the Sarah Reese Music Theater in honor of her courage and determination in being a pathbreaker, one of those all-important elders who has given back so lovingly and so passionately to her home community. Listen to these words that represent the wisdom that she has passed on to her legions of adoring students. Words which echo advice given by other such icons as Camilla Williams and Roberta Alexander. Strive not to be good, to be excellent at all times. Have no expectation that things are going to be given to you have to work for it. You have to sacrifice for it. If you're going to do it on the side, have fun. But if you're going to make a career of it, if it's in your bones, if it's in your soul, work hard for it. Prepare for it. Be the best that you can be. Dear Sarah, happy birthday to you and much gratitude from all of us, not just for your enormous artistry and your great voice, but for being such a great humanitarian. Happy birthday. I want to end today's episode with the final recorded document of Sarah Reese that I have found. It just appeared a couple weeks ago, and it represents a real high point in her performing career. In 1988, 
the year before Herbert von Karajan died, he engaged Sarah Rees to sing in his final performances of a work that had been so central to his conducting career, the Brahms' German Requiem. The fifth movement, Ihr habt nun Traurigkeit, is one of my very favorite pieces of music of all time, the sole movement in which the soprano solo appears singing Martin Luther's translation of the biblical verses. Now, therefore, you have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart shall rejoice, and no one shall take that joy from you. Look at me. I've toiled and labor for a short time, yet now have I found great consolation. Often when this movement is written about and described, the soprano soloist is seen as an angel of consolation. And I think, for me, that's exactly what Sarah Reese is. She is an angel.
My dear friends, keep the song in your hearts. I'm Daniel Gundlach. <laughs>